next week. That's the plan. Turn with me, please, to Matthew 8. I think we just need to teach a little bit on healing. Because I want us to, to really be able to put praise into practice and just really have an understanding of, of that we do believe in a God who heals. We see it over and over and over through Scripture. But church, you've got to understand something. What you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where you see Jesus literally on the earth, working for three years, serving, healing, delivering, like doing such a work over and over and over. He taught with authority like they have never seen. He spoke with authority to, to, to that which they have never seen ever, where Jesus spoke to the storm and the storm became quiet. He spoke to the sea and the sea became calm. They have never, ever seen such authority as he would speak to that which he created and it would obey. And you see healing after healing after healing after healing, physical healing from blindness to death, physical healing from lame legs that they would jump up immediately and dance like from sickness and disease. You see it over and over. And then there's this amazing final verse in the, in the book of John where John says, if we were to write down everything that Jesus did, we wouldn't have enough books to contain it. What? Jesus, who is God, is healer. And we have everything that we need written down in the word of God to believe that, to see that, to see Jesus heals. And I've taught on this before that, that we know, I believe that there are three ways truly that God heals. One is I believe that God can heal immediately, instantly over prayer. I believe that God can move powerfully through a moment, through right now, through immediate, and someone could be healed. I believe that. I believe, I hope that it happened today. I had an amazing report from a couple this morning. The young lady was dealing with something for over a year, and they just began to believe God for healing. And now she is healed and she's walking in a place where she wasn't able to walk in a place of healing even just a month ago. And we see God doing work after work after work. We see this church. And I love it because we have everything that we need to believe that Jesus heals on the immediate. Jesus heals instantly. He can. He has and he does and he will. But everything that we see in Scripture, it's, it's not everything that he did. I love where John says that. He's like, man, if we were to write down everything that Jesus did, we wouldn't have enough books to contain it. Could you imagine that where Jesus is just doing what Jesus does and he's healing and he's delivering and he's healing and he's delivering and he's healing and he's delivering over and over. You see where the Bible says, and the large crowds came to him and he healed them all. Well, how long did that take? Like, what did that look like? Was that the original first prayer line that we've ever seen? Like, what, honestly, what did that look like? That they all came to Jesus. They all brought their sons and their daughters or their mothers or their fathers or their husbands or their wives, their cousins, and anyone who could carry anyone would come to Jesus. And the Bible says there are these amazing scenes that Jesus would just heal them all. What did that look like? And then we have times that there's specific individual stories that unpack a little more of a deeper healing. 
in the sense of the story. It goes a little deeper within the story, a little bit of background to a story. And we see many of those stories and many of those truths in Scripture as well. So we know that Jesus heals. And we know that for those who were coming in the groves and those who were being carried and those who were pushed in the cart and those who could walk, we know that when it says, and Jesus healed them all, there was instant healing. I believe that Jesus can heal right here, right now in the immediate I believe that Jesus can heal through, through doctors and through uh, healthy, true, modern medicine, healthy medicine. I believe that the God gives great wisdom to doctors and authorities. I'm, I am grateful if you break a bone, I'm grateful a doctor knows how to put it together so I don't have to walk around with broken bones. all. Like I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's wisdom. God gave that doctor wisdom and gave the medical field wisdom. I believe that that is a way that we can truly recover. But then I also believe in the ultimate healing that we experienced this last week when a dear brother from Believer's Chapel, Nick Gary, uh, who was fighting such disease at 37 years old, uh, went home to be with the Lord to be completely and totally and perfectly healed. But I want to look at some examples in here in Matthew 8. And like I said, this is a, a change in message. And I believe this is truly of the Lord. So I need you to dial into this. I need you to focus. I believe we're going to see God do great and mighty works. Even just this year, man, even just today, right here and right now. And this is uh, a great start to that. Matthew 8, verse 1, it says this, And when Jesus came down from the mountains, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And a leopard came down and bowed down before him, showing and in church today, we're going to, what, what is it to enter into his presence? How is it that I can actually come before him and actually believe that he can heal? Well, as we take notes from what we're going to read today, we see that there was this leper that came into the presence of Jesus and he immediately went to his knees. He immediately took up a position of reverence and he took up a position of honor and he bowed down before the Lord. If you are willing, you can. This is what he says. You can cleanse me. This is what he knew. Lord, if you're willing, I know that you have the power and I know that you have the authority. This is what I know that you can. You can make me clean. You can cleanse me. You got to understand leprosy in this day was an ugly, ugly, ugly disease. And it was such a disease that you were no longer allowed to socialize with anybody. You were an outcast. You were considered to be unclean. You, you were no longer allowed to be with your family. You couldn't be with your wife. You couldn't be with your husband. You couldn't be with your kids. You were no longer allowed to work. You were no longer allowed to fellowship at the synagogue or the temple. You couldn't go to church. You had to be outside the borders. And when people, this is, this is how this is, when people would walk past you, you'd have to declare, unclean, I'm unclean, which screams, I have leprosy, stay away, I'm, I'm unclean. What a life. What a life to live the life of a leper. And the only people that you could be with were other lepers. Your skin will begin to turn white. Fingers would fall off. Your hair will be gone. It was obvious those who were unclean and anyone who would come near, you'd have to remind them, I'm unclean. 
Could you imagine that life of loneliness? Could you imagine that life? No longer do I have my fellowship of my family. No longer do I have the fellowship of the saints. Now I'm rejected. I'm an outcast. And this leper comes before the only one who can heal. He shows a level of reverence and he bows down before him and says, Lord, he acknowledges him as Lord. Master, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You can. I like that. You can. You can make me clean. And watch this verse three. This is great. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. When is the last time that this brother had any type of physical touch? Everyone would have to stay away from him. Everyone would actually walk the other direction. Everyone would go opposite of where he was. And here he comes before Jesus and Jesus didn't go opposite of where he was. Jesus didn't turn his back on this leper. No, he bows down and says, if you are willing, you can cleanse me. And what does Jesus do? The unthinkable, right? Jesus does, you don't touch him. He's unclean. You can get what he got. And Jesus reaches out and lays his hand on him. And he touched him saying, I am willing be cleansed. Watch this. And immediately, highlight that. Immediately, underline that. Circle that. And immediately, immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Nobody would come near this brother. Everybody would reject. Everyone would declare outcast. Everyone would say, stay away. Everyone at a stiff arm length going, none, get it, stay away. I'm, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. And here Jesus leans in. It's amazing to me that he bows down before Jesus and instead of Jesus taking steps back, Jesus takes steps in. Church, this is our Jesus. This is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. He's not stepping away. He is stepping in. If you are alone and rejected and feel like you are an outcast, Jesus is not going to step away. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is actually leaning in and he is stepping in and he lays his hand on this leopard and he says, I am willing. If you are willing, you can. I love that. You can. And he says, I, I know I can. And he says, I am willing. Be cleansed. And now watch this. I love that. Here's proof to the pudding. Here it is. He says this. And, he, and to be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And I don't know if fingers began to grow back. I don't know if hair instantly came back. I don't know if his, his pastely white, nasty skin began to get color again. But instantly you could tell that he was healed. And then he said this, listen, 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 leper, it's time to get your life back. That which this disease has stolen from you. Every relationship that you had. Every opportunity to work. Everything with our, in your fellowship of synagogue and temple. It's time to get your life back. I need you to go show yourself to the priest. He says, go tell no one, but show yourself to the priest. Present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And you got to understand, like the priest had to declare this one to be clean so that he could get his life back. That's the only way that this worked. The only way he could be reinserted into society. The only way he could go home to wife and family. The only way he could go back to work. The only way he could go back to the church fellowship is if a priest declared that he is healed, declared that he is cleansed. And Jesus is like, listen, listen, it's time to get your life back. 
It's time to get back into society. Go show yourself to the priest. And in doing that, he was allowed back into society. So we see that Jesus draws near. We see that Jesus steps in. We see the honor of this man bowing before him, trusting that Jesus isn't going to run away like everybody else. Jesus leaned in, laid his hand on him, and prayed that he would be healed, and he was healed immediately. Watch this, verse 8, it says this. The second one says this. We'll pick it up in verse 5. It says, Then Jesus entered Capernaum, and a centurion came to him, imploring him. And a centurion is this Roman soldier. A centurion soldier was, was a man who was high rank. And, and the Roman soldier had great authority, had men under him. He understood what it was to be this Roman centurion soldier was a big deal. And you carried great weight with you. You carried great authority with you. And this Roman soldier, he has no business coming to Jesus. Like he's, he's Roman soldier. Guess who put Jesus to death? Ah, Roman soldiers. Like you got to understand how, how huge this is in the position of this Roman who's not Jewish coming to Jesus in this begging him of this request. He has no business being before Jesus, begging Jesus. This, this is what he says. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, begging him or imploring him, saying, Lord, I love how he, he, he responds to him as Lord. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Lord, I have a servant at home and they are paralyzed with fear. They, they are capitalized with fear. They're, they're paralyzed. And in this, they are being tormented with fear. And, and he goes with the Lord with this for his servant on behalf of his servant, saying, Lord, the servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Again, we see where Jesus is leaning in. Let I'll come to your house. Jesus didn't run away saying, nah, I'm busy. I got, no, he's like, no, I'm, I'm leaning in. When we, when we see the book of John says, listen, we can't have enough room to write all that Jesus did down. We, we, we don't even have enough books. But there's these moments that he shows us what he unpacks. And this is one of those amazing moments from the centurion soldier saying, my servant, he must have cared deeply for the servant. Paralyzed in fear, has, has captivated where they can't move. They're paralyzed. And Jesus is like, I'm on my way. Come on, let's go. Now watch this, watch this. Verse eight, but the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy you to come under my roof. So the centurion comes to Jesus. Lord, I'm, I, I'm asking you to heal my servant. I'm begging you to heal my servant. Jesus was Move with such compassion, and Jesus was moved with such mercy. And he's like, let's go. Let's go to your house. And then, and then this, this centurion soldier, church somehow, some way, he says, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not worthy. For you to even come under my roof. 
Lord, I know who you are. Church, what is it? What is it when we are coming before the Lord? When we know who he is and we know who we are? Do we come to him as our backslapping buddy? Do we come to him as the big guy in the sky? Do we come to him as just the higher power? Or do we come to him as Lord and master and king, the king above all kings? Do we come to him as the very one who sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me, the very one who will one day leave heaven? He will, he will come back down to earth, receive us to himself, and then there will be a day that we will all come back where our leader, our king, leading us on a white horse with his robe dipped in blood, with, with a knife out of his mouth. And then this, this is the picture of who he is who we are and this brother this centurion had no business coming to Jesus being a Roman centurion begged him on his servant's behalf and Jesus said I'm good let's go he's like wait a minute I'm not even worthy for you to come into my house come on keep your finger in Matthew 8 turn with me please to Psalm 99 please and I want you to see this because this is, this is how we're called to enter in when we have the proper picture where, where the centurion is like, no, I get it. I, I, I came to you because my servant needs to be healed. And Jesus is like, I'm coming. And this brother gets something, man. The centurion, he gets something. He's like, no, I'm not even, I'm not even worthy for you to come into my house. You see, I know, I know who you are. For you are the Lord, you are master. Lord here, it means master. It means sir. It, it means I put myself under you. Do, do we come to him on these terms? Or do we act like he's just our backslapping buddy? Do we, do we talk about him like he's just like, ah, you know, good old Jesus? Like, or do we really honestly come before him with fear and trembling? Did we come before him out of this incredible, beautiful place of reverence? Did we come to him out of a, a true, healthy, holy fear and a reverence? Church, we want to see him move in powerful, powerful ways in and through this church, in and through you, in this community, whether you're in New York, whether you're in Pennsylvania, we want God to move in and through you, and whether it's Allegheny, Olean, Portville, Hinsdale, whether it's Bradford, whether it's Port A, whether it's Otto Eldred, or whatever, everything in between, Salamanca, like we are, we are seeing God move, but, but is he moving in and through you when we come before him with a healthy and a holy reverence because holy is he? I am not even worthy. I know who you are and I know what you're capable of and I know that you can heal. And because I know who you are, I'm not even worthy that you come under my roof. Now watch this, Psalm 99, this is beautiful. And the Lord reigns and let the peoples tremble. The Lord reigns and let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim and let the earth shake. The Lord reigns like he is king. He is majesty. The Lord reigns. This, this is kingdom language. A king 
reigns. A king has kingdom authority. This Psalm 99 speaks of kingdom language that no, it is the Lord who reigns. It is the Lord who oversees. It is the Lord who's in control. It is the Lord. Like this is that kingdom picture that we must see that it's the Lord reigns. Watch this. And let the peoples tremble. Church, where is our holy, healthy reverence and fear and respect when we come into his presence or when we invite him into our presence? When we're here together, there's something so sweet and something so special about gathering together on a Sunday, all together, being able to worship him with all our voices at once. It's beautiful. But what about Monday when we're inviting him in to our presence in our living room or in our kitchen or in our car? And we, do we come in the same reverence? Do we come with the same trembling fear to inviting him into our Monday, into our Tuesday, into our Wednesday? And let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion. Zion's a word for, for Mount Zion at the top of this mountain that's in Jerusalem. It's a reference to Jerusalem. And he is exalted above all the peoples. The word exalted means that he is lifted high to this place of honor. And he is lifted high to this place of honor. He is exalted above all peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Watch this. For holy is he. Let them praise your great and awesome name. For holy for you are completely separate from anything that is profane or defiling. We come and we enter in to your presence with this mindset of reverence and fear before you, for you are holy, for you are without stain, for you are spotless, for you have no, you are, you are perfectly pure, without stain, without blemish, without contamination. And no one other can say that. For he is completely separate from everything that is profane or defiling. For holy is he. The strength of the king loves justice and you have established equity. This is talking about just judgment and being fair. You have executed just, justice and righteousness in Jacob. Verse five, exalt the Lord our God. And worship at his footstool. Exalt. Again, there it is a second time. Exalt the Lord our God and worship. The word worship, it literally means to, to, to prone yourself before, the, to lay out flat in this posture of complete and total reverence before the Lord. That, that's worship. It's our response to him. Our posture matters in times of worship and, and to exalt the Lord of God, to lift high in this place of honor and to worship him at his footstool. Now watch this. Why? Because holy is he. I'm not even worthy that you would come into my house. The centurion knew exactly who he was talking to. He knew what it was to be in the presence of Jesus. Look at verse 6. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name, for they called upon the Lord, and he answered them. And he spoke to them in the pillar of cloud. I love this. So many times, BC, we go back to Exodus. We go back to the great escape. We go back to the great exit. 
that God called his chosen people out of that place of slavery, out of under the, the thumb of Pharaoh, under that which is evil Pharaoh and all that he took all of these people to slavery under serious, deep, deep abuse and abandon. And here Jesus is, or, or God Almighty is like, that's enough. I need to set my people free. And in doing that over and over, we get to hear it again and again about God's mighty hand moving on repeat to release his people from slavery. And this is one of those amazing moments. And he spoke to them in the pillar of cloud. How did he lead them? By day, he led them in this huge pillar of cloud that he would lead them out through the wilderness. And at night, there was a pillar of fire that would lead them through the wilderness. Like this is God, even in that which God said, it's time for you to go in the wilderness, he was still with them. Why? Because the Bible says that he heard their cry. O oh Lord, our God, you answered them. Verse eight. And you were a forgiving God to them and yet an avenger of their evil deeds. Verse nine. Here it is again. A third time. Exalt the Lord a third time to lift him up high to show a beautiful place of honoring him and to exalt him, to lift high the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. What's his holy hill? Church, that's his presence. To be able to come into his presence. Why? Third time it says to exalt him and third time it says that holy is he. What happens when you come into his presence? What happens when we, when we come before him with fear and trembling, we come before him with a healthy and a holy fear of him. Whether we're asking for deliverance, we're asking for salvation, we're asking for healing, we're asking for sickness and disease, we're asking for him to heal our physical bodies, we're asking for a friend, we're asking for a loved one. We come before him with a reverence and with a fear because holy is he, he's not our backslapping body, he's not the big guy in the sky. He is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God who put himself on a cross for me and he deserves my reverence and my respect. He deserves me to honor him and to glorify him for holy is the Lord. How do we approach? How do we approach? Come on back to Matthew 8. Verse 8, the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Highlight this, circle this, underline this. But just say a word. But just say a word. Where did the centurion get this from? Where would he get such faith? Lord, my servant is in great need. Okay, let's go. Wait a minute, you're not even worthy to come under my roof. But from what I know, 
if you would just say a word, my servant will be healed. Where does he get this from? We don't know the story of how he understood the healing power of Christ. Like, was he in the background so many times as Roman soldiers? A part of their job was to just sit and watch the community? Be ready to be called on in a moment when there was a disruption? Roman soldiers, they took care of, of these areas and they protected these areas. They were on guard. Maybe when he was just doing his duty and he's on guard, just maybe he would see Jesus working in the square. Maybe he was there when the multitudes would come to Jesus time and time again and he would see people being healed. He would see people carrying people, carting people to Jesus and all of a sudden the singing and the dancing and the jumping and the arms growing back and the eyes beginning to be to pop back into place where they could see deaf ears beginning to open like over and over building something in the centurion and again seeing something building something in the centurion and seeing something and building something in the centurion that when it was his turn this is what I know Lord if you would just say the word And amazing that with the with the leper, Jesus leans in and touches and puts his hand on and heals. Isn't it also amazing this centurion goddess says, Sir, all I need you to do is right here, right now, speak life. In the power, Lord of your word, there's healing. And my servant can be healed. Watch Jesus' response. This is stunning. For this, this centurion gives this amazing picture of he understands honor. He understands authority. He understands reverence and respect. He says, but just say the word and my servant will be healed for I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my slave, I say, do this. And he does it. And when Jesus heard this, watch this church, highlight this. He marveled. He marveled. What is it to get Jesus to stop? What is it to truly get Jesus to stop in his tracks? And be marveled means to be in awe. And Jesus was in awe at the centurion. Church, the centurion can teach us so much about how we approach can teach us so much about our reverence the leper taught us to bow down before him in complete reverence and complete saying I've got nothing I'm out I need you the centurion 
knowing the power of the Lord and with such great reverence and such great understanding of authority and what it is to truly know that he is Lord and to enter in with a great fear for holy is here. The centurion teaches us this. And Jesus' response is amazing. Because of this man's, why did Jesus respond in marvel and awe and wonder? It was because of this man's true reverence to the Lord. He understood authority. Marveled, watch this, and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith in anyone in Israel. This brother stopped Jesus in his tracks, showed incredible reverence and respect, having a deep understanding of authority. All you have to do is speak. And Jesus, whatever you're speaking to is, watch this, is forced to listen. Everything you're speaking to is forced to obey. We see that when he speaks to the wind. We see that when he speaks to the sea. We see that when he speaks to demons. We see that when he speaks to sickness. We see that when he speaks to disease. We see that when he speaks to the lame. This brother got it. All you got to do is speak. And that which you are speaking to, it must obey. What authority. And Jesus looks to the people who are following him. His Jewish people. His chosen like He's like, listen, I have not found such great faith amongst my own people. That's what he's saying. Israel's his people. It takes this Roman soldier who's outside of Israel to show how to make the approach. What happens when we lose sight of his reverence and his power and his authority? We start acting like he's our backslapping buddy. And then you're expecting him to move. And yet you've shown him no, no honor. You don't understand the authority that he carries. You've lost sight. And today I believe that the Lord is really speaking to us and a desire to move, but we got to get it right. We got to come before him as the centurion did. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly I say to you, I have not found such faith amongst anyone in Israel. And I say to you, I say to the many who will come from the east and from the west, this is the Gentiles, and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in the kingdom of heaven, this is the Jews. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness in that place who will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's going through uh, his own people who refuse him are going to be going to hell. His own people. Unfortunately, the Jewish race who does not acknowledge him as Messiah are not saved only because they're Jewish. That's what he's saying here. But then he turns to the centurion. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed. When? That very moment. Jesus spoke. Didn't have to be present. Didn't have to lay hands. 
the authority of his spoken word brought healing from a distance because the centurion came with great reverence understood the authority which he was standing before and showed great honor for holy is he come if we stand to our feet please See, I do believe that when we read scripture, I believe we take God at his word. And I do believe that there can be healing. And I do believe that as we enter in by our faith and by our trust and by our reverence and our understanding that he is Lord, I believe that even what took place here today, I do believe that God can heal. I believe that God can deliver and I believe that God can save. going to close in a song and if anybody needs prayer for any reason man you want to talk more about Jesus and say I do need to be healed of my sin I need Jesus I do I just need Jesus I know that I'm lost and I know that I need Christ and I ask that you come forward we'll have a prayer team up here willing to talk with you and pray with you if you need healing we'd love to pray with you if you need prayer for any reason in your life let's pray let's believe God to work in such powerful powerful ways. Come on, let's close out in a song. Invite somebody next week. Let's fill the second service. Invite a family. If you invite five families, just possibly one might come. Maybe get lucky and all five come. That's our hope. Come on, invite, invite families. Invite people to church. Come on.